2: Give
3: me a mic. Thank you. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Riley and Kimmy Show.
0: Welcome to episode 449. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Right next to me is the traveler, the person going through space and time with me, the companion. Kimmy, I got one now. She seems nice. You don't. Now, wait a second. I proved that I am nice. I did so earlier before sitting down with episode 449 because I was out and about in public in Sanford, Florida because Kimmy and I went to a movie. Not just any movie. We're
2: millionaires, boys, I'll share it with all of you. My, in a few months, will be up in lights on Broadway. Come!
0: That's right. We went to the original King Kong movie from 1933 by RKO Pictures, and we saw it in Sanford, Florida, at a place we had never been to. I've never been there before in my life, and um, matter of fact, I've probably driven past it maybe you know a thousand times or more in downtown Sanford. And where did we go, Kimmy? Wayne Dench Performing Arts Center. And I actually, you know, there was a place where you're you're from, your hometown, where you grew up and we had went to classic cinemas. They would hold them every, I think, Friday and Saturday night, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And it was called the Storefront Theater. And I, you know, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. Uh, not the most comfortable seats in the world, and, but it was okay. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of thinking that that's what this was going to be, but I was pleasantly surprised at just how nice of a theater this is.
1: Mm-hmm. Very nice. It was a
0: perfect place to see a classic, a vintage uh, cinema. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just perfect for that. Now, Kimmy, what did you think about your experience? And uh, is this the first time you've seen King Kong in its entirety as an adult? Um, You know, the whole nine yards. What did you think about it?
1: I thought we had seen it uh, previously at possibly the storefront.
0: I don't recall us seeing that, to be honest. Um, I
1: think uh, you made us leave before the end because the end is not very Well, as
0: Kimmy knows, I, in any version of King Kong, including the son of Kong, I do not care for the ending at all. Mm -hmm. And I will not watch the ending in that outside of the Japanese version of King Kong, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially King Kong versus Godzilla. Now that I I will watch, but that's a little different. The uh, American versions of King Kong, the 33 version and the son of Kong, which by the way is from 1933 as well. They put it in production pretty quick after um, Kong was done in, you know, in theaters and it was in theaters within nine months of King Kong being released. It's, from 33 as well although it is a failure in comparison and really not remembered. the uh, ending with son of kong i am disturbed with but less disturbed than i am with the 1933 one Mm -hmm. um and i don't like the 1976 version i I don't even like it at all nothing of it there's nothing of that movie i care for the one with jeff bridges and i can't think of her name jessica Lange. yeah thank you Uh, american horror story introducing yes miss american horror story herself uh, and I remember that movie was being promoted big time in comic books. They were still running a lot of ads in, in comic books at that time period. And I don't remember if it was DC, Marvel, or both universes, but on the back of the comic books, and I have them in the collection uh, from that era, you would have that big uh, scene from the Empire State, uh, not the Empire, the World Trade Centers of uh, Kong. And still, just, you know, it's a movie I don't ever want to go visit. And I am not a fan of the, of the 2005 Peter Jackson version. You and I saw that uh, when I was at a. Uh, I won't name the radio station. Yeah, well, uh, Smooth Jazz 103.1 WLOQ when I was there. Uh, I remember taking a night off on purpose to go see it when it debuted. Bob Kelly, who we talked to on episode 448 about uh, radio and broadcasting, he filled in for me that night. And I didn't stay for that whole movie, that one either. Mm. But we did stay for the entire 1933 version tonight in downtown Sanford. Um, still, I, I don't like the ending. It still bothers me, mm-hmm. and there's certain elements in, in scenes in there I do not like. But that's me, and I mean I am an animal lover, so you know that I go in there knowing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being the uh, uh, killing of the uh, the uh, prehistoric creature before the encounter Stegosaurus. Yeah, yeah, when they that I just yeah. I, I don't care for that at all. But that's that's me. But it is a really
1: amazing film for that time period. It's it it's... was it was. Incredible! I mean, gorgeous, Mm -hmm.
0: and and it's and you know people are laughing at certain things, but if you take an aspect that this is 1933, we are in the Depression, talking moving uh, talking movie pictures, moving pictures. It wasn't that old; they had been silenced before this. They they incorporate sound in such an incredible way, and they blend you know with the musical elements are very good, and everything. I the movie is flawless actually to me. If I look at it and I say, okay, they're limited by the technology that they had at that day. I find it amazing. They were able to pull off some of the scenes where you actually think Kong is interacting.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know, the scene with the roll on the log when he's tossing the people off and then he goes reaching for the guy, I think is still, you know, beautiful. And mm-hmm. I, the whole thing, I mean, I love that film. And when he goes on the rampage to the, uh, uh, the village when he's, you know, looking for her, mm-hmm. uh, that is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. whole thing, I, I just, I, yeah. I love it. Uh,
1: and the Wayne Dench uh, Performing Arts Center, uh, the people there that were working there were very nice and warm and welcoming and, yes. and gave us a little, asked us if we'd been there before and gave us a little, um, brief little synopsis of what they are and um, gave us a little uh, handy dandy uh, card here that tells us some of the things events that they had have had and have coming up and apparently they do have musicals and they have um tribute shows and concerts one which i'm sad i kind of sad i missed because i might have liked a tribute to abba abba girls oh well that was last weekend but um so, and uh, it sounds like they're going to start having these classic movies. Excellent.
0: Yeah. I love that. And mm-hmm. I, I hope they have another one soon. There's none on the card right there listed. No. But I hope they have some more real soon. Matter of fact, if you're into classic cinemas and you're, uh, you know, classic cinema and you live in the Central Florida area. Uh, We will be posting some of those on our social media site because there is another theater in Sanford, a commercial, you know, big time commercial type theater called Amstar uh, that on Tuesdays and Wednesdays runs classic cinema and coming up in April and May, they've released their uh, their films and I am going to go see and I'm sure Kimmy will go with me Uh, of the six that they've released so far I want to see five of them
1: okay yeah the first one is gonna be the Ten Commandments and that'll be just in time for Easter right before the week before Easter
0: I don't know if you've ever seen that in its entirety either have you never on the big screen
1: well on TV
0: but never on the big screen
1: I don't know if I've sat down and watched the whole thing
0: straight through okay and so that'll be you know maybe a first time there. A little bit of a warning, Kimmy. It's long. I know. Okay, I'm just I'm giving you a little warning. But then we'll also see. Uh, let's see. They're going to have uh, one of the Indiana Jones films, the one with Sean Connery, The Last Crusade, mm-hmm. and my favorite Star Trek movie of all time, The Wrath of Khan. Yes, the original. That is my favorite uh, Star Trek film of all time. And then Greece. I've never seen that. I've never seen Greece at all, and uh, I agreed to go to that. And we have to see Kevin Costner and Sean Connery together in *The Untouchables*. Now I am an *Untouchables* freak. I love the uh, original TV series big time, uh, just because it's an amazement that it ever made to television. It's very violent for its time period, and why it's also amazing to me and why I love it uh, is Desi Lu did it. It's kind of I. It, it's to me. It's it's Twilight Zone-ish when you think that here's *I Love Lucy* with Ricky, and they're making this violent TV show called untouchable. So we got to see that one, too. Mm -hmm. There's only one I I will bypass. Did I name all the ones we're going to go to? I think so. All right. We'll have a link to that as well on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And we'll have a link to the the theater that Kimmy was just talking about Mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to uh, highlight them as well. Because Kimmy did say they will have some more, um, you know, classic films. And they also have a lot of other activity going on.
1: Yes. And we'll have
0: that. Right at our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And what's their name again one more time, Kimmy?
1: Wayne Dench, Performing Arts Center.
0: All right. And, you know, if you're listening to this episode on the day it is uploaded, it is a flashback Friday, and we're going to head back in time. We're heading right to our Wayback Machine. I guess you're wondering about this contraption.
3: Well, what is it? Well, actually, it's a time machine. I call it a Wayback. We just set it, turn it on, open the door, and there we are. Or were, really.
0: Well, Kimmy, we are going back to the year of 1938, and the reason we're going back to 1938 is because of 1933. What I'm talking about here is we just saw King Kong, the original 1933 film, and it's powerful. But you might say King Kong was never... Part of radio? Well, you're you're wrong because old time radio, the golden age of radio, did feature King Kong, and the Riley and Kimmy Show does have that radio adaptation play. This is not the audio from the 1933 movie. This is an actual radio adaptation. It opens up the theater of the mind, and please stick with us for this because this is a rare recording. Very, I mean, it's rarely ever played. Very few collectors even uh even know of its existence to be quite honest. Um, it's one where they go, oh that was never made into a film or into a radio production because Lux Radio Theater, and that's not what this is, did a lot of cinema to radio. That was their thing. And and there was some other old time radio shows that did as well. This one is basically went underneath the radar for most collectors and individuals they don't even know it exists so here's an opportunity to share something for you who may not have went to the thing we went to and for the collector or the the fan that just loves this stuff or maybe it's your first exposure to old-time radio that's what this is all about is keeping radio alive and these productions by the way were just you know the special effects weren't they didn't just play a tape and things like that they had to recreate things so they are it's a, a an art form in itself and it's safe for the entire family. Now, before we play it, I do need to stress one thing. Because it's from 1938, the audio technology is not digital. It's not of today's standards. a matter of fact, it's not even the standards of 25 years ago. So please, you know, keep that in mind when you listen to it and give it a little bit of leeway. This is a piece of history, and that's why we're sharing it on this Flashback Friday. Here is King Kong the radio version from 1938 on the Riley and Kimmy show.
3: Yeah, that's the old ship sitting out there. The S.S. Sumatra. A good ship, but I never want to sail with her again. I was her captain for many years. Mostly the South Pacific, Surabaya, the Philippines, Java, Ceylon, and up and down the west coast of India. Ah, we had adventures, this old steel lady and me. But the last one was the worst one. It was a long time ago, but I'll never forget it. I still wake up at night screaming, and I don't scare easily. The newspapers carried the story of Khan. King Kong was what Denham called the beast. Who was Denim? I'll tell you the story about Denham, Driscoll, Anne, and the monster, King Kong. I first met Denim, I think it was in 1932. Yeah, we were laid up here in New York Harbor. No cargo, no credit. A full crew to pay, and I had no money. It was winter, heavy snow, Christmas coming. And if the devil came up that gangplank and asked me to sail him to hell, if he had the money, I would have given him the best cabin and sailed on the first tide. This was my cabin. I remember sitting here very worried when Driscoll, my first mate, knocked on the door. Come. Came aboard, Captain, says he must see you. Mr. Driscoll, if he's a bill collector, tell him I've jumped ship. He drove up to the dock in a chauffeur-driven car. So? Well, uh, don't stand there. Tell him I'll be delighted to see him. That's what he said. Come in, sir. Captain Englehorn, Mr. Denham. Sit down, sir. Thank you. And, uh, what can I do for you?
2: Captain, I want to charter your boats. I'm Denham of Denham Motion Pictures Incorporated. My company makes travel films. I want you to take me, my cameraman and actor or two, to the southwest Pacific.
3: I've been told you're familiar with the area. More than familiar. The Pacific is where I got my sea legs and learned my trade. Where exactly is your destination? That's something I can't tell you until we get there. Where well, well, her ship must have a destination... A point on the chart to sail to, Mr. Denham.
2: I have the exact longitude and latitude. I'll give them to you after we reach the East Indies. Now, for the services of your ship, crew, yourself, I'm prepared to pay a more than generous sum.
3: A more than generous sum. Well, times were bad, and a sailor might just as well be a farmer if he's not at sea. I agree to Mr. Denham's deal. But if I could have seen ahead, I would have thrown Mr. Denham overboard.
2: Secure that number three hat! Go away! Easy now.
3: Mr. Driscoll. Sir. I want to hoist anchors and sail on the ebb tide. Anxious to get underway? I get sick living on shore too long. Well, engine room reports steam is up to full. Well, I'll be glad to get away from this cold. Oh, heading south then, hmm? South and east. And that's all I know. <coughs> well, Mr. Denham is punctual. Send two men down to help him with his gear, Mr. Driscoll. Aye, sir. There's a woman with him. I recognize the outlines, Mr. Driscoll. Two
2: men to the dock.
3: And uh, make ready to cast off, Mr. Driscoll. Aye, sir. Denim and his movie people came aboard and were shown to the cabins below decks. Anne Darrow, a beautiful young lady, was an out-of-work actress who asked no questions. She had a job and the idea of spending time in the tropics appealed to her. Mm. Stand by to cast off all lines. Single up, Mr. Driscoll.
2: Single up, four and up.
3: Cast off, Mr. Driscoll.
2: Let's go, four and up.
3: Helmsman, all astern, slow. Let the tie take her. Hi, aye, aye, sir. Out of
2: port.
3: Out of port, she sir. Now, midships.
2: Midships,
3: she is, sir. All ahead, slow.
2: All ahead, slow, sir.
3: Take over the helm, Mr. Driscoll. I'll give you the new course when we clear the Ambrose Light. Aye, sir. I relieve really you now, sir. I'll be below to check with our passengers. Uh, I tried very hard to be friendly with Mr. Denham, but that was very difficult. So we arrived at a working agreement. He was in charge of his crew, I was in charge of the ship. But nothing I could say would get Denham to give me the slightest hint of our destination. I even had Driscoll speak with a girl. He was, at that time, a handsome young man, and I knew he upheld the traditions of the sea by having a girl in every form.
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm not much of an actress, just a beginner, and this is quite a chance for me.
3: What are you supposed to do? Has Denham shown you a script?
2: No, he said we play the scenes as they happened. It's a travelogue, so I suppose I'll be sitting around watching natives dance or fish or hunt or something <laughs> like that.
3: Well, it doesn't seem like too much.
2: Uh, I'm the only actor in the company, so it'll be plenty for
3: me. I see. Well, Mr.
2: Driscoll, what do you think of our star? As pretty as I've ever seen, Mr. Denham. <laughs> I thought sailors only talked that way in books. Oh, there's a bit of truth in everything, Miss Darrow. I might be able to use that line, Mr. Driscoll. <laughs> And I want to run some film tests. The camera's set up front. of uh,
3: forward, Mr. Denham.
2: Yeah, forward. Uh, up ahead in the nose of the boat. The prow is what it's called. Oh, you know what I mean. And put on some makeup, eyeshadow, lipstick. We'll take a look.
1: He's not much of a sailor.
3: He'll learn. Or Captain Engelhorn will toss him to the sharks. Well, you better go along. Up to the nose of the boat. <laughs> Denim had set up cameras up forward on the foredeck. He had the girl leaning on a bollock. The weather was getting warmer as we headed south. A good ship, a calm sea, and people going about their work.
2: Okay, Ann. Yes. Look around. Roll the cameras. Action. Ann, look to your right. Now look left. Now look at me. That's right. Now you see something. You don't know what it is. Slowly now. You're amazed by it. Hold that. Now you become frightened. It's nothing you've ever seen before. It's coming closer. 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 You're too frightened to run. You're helpless. You can't scream. You're trying to hide it from your eyes good. Now scream. Scream. Scream for your life. <laughs> it was only a simple scream test, just to see how
3: well Anne can follow direction. But, Mr. Denham, it would seem to me you had some purpose. The poor kid was terrified. She's in her cabin now. Won't let anyone come near her. No, that
2: just means she's a good actress. There's something you're not telling us, Denham. That's perfectly correct, mister. And I don't intend it, tell until I'm ready. You tell us now, Dennis. Now look, mister. I charted this ship. You go where I tell you to go, and when I tell my actress to scream, she screams. And it's none of your business, sailor. <laughs> Mr. Driscoll!
3: Be later! Mr. Driscoll! Stop it. Mr. Driscoll? You will go on deck and cool your temper. Mr. Denham, you will go below to your
2: cabin. Don't give me any orders. I don't go downstairs for anybody.
3: The expression is below, Mr. Denham. I am master of life and death aboard this vessel. And you will go below, or I will have you locked in the brig. A brig means a prison, Mr. Denham. Mr. Driscoll. Aye, sir. You better behave as a first mate should. If you expect to command your own ship... You cannot make clear decisions when your mind is muddled with personal feelings. The safety of the ship and her crew is your first concern. You can break Denham's neck when we're safe in port. Is that clear? Aye, aye, sir. Very clear. Somewhere off Hatteras, we ran into bad weather. The waves were running high and the sea broke over the bridge. As sometimes happens in a storm, we shook loose some of the cargo. I sent Driscoll below to make everything secure. He was a good sailor, so I left it all in his hands. But below decks in number two hold... This is the captain. Will you come below, sir? Problems, Mr. Driscoll? Yes, sir. You better come and take a look. In the older type ships, you had to cross the deck to get to the cargo hatches. Safety lines were rigged and I held on for dear life. As I crossed the deck to number two hold. I was annoyed with Bristol but I knew he would never call me unless he had a good reason. These crates tore loose, Captain. This one broke open. God in Himmel! Denim has enough here to start a war. Dynamite, hand grenades, there's a case of high-powered rifles, ammunition, gas grenades. Why would he need these to make movies? Yes, sir, that's what I was wondering. Just nail up the crates and say nothing. Aye, sir. Denim said all he was carrying was motion picture equipment and supplies for six months. As far as I'm concerned, that's all he is carrying. Aye, we know of nothing else. None of these guns and dynamite will be unloaded from the ship. Keep the hatch closed and locked, Mr. Driscoll. And give me the keys. We made good time on our way through the Panama Canal into the Pacific. Through every type of weather. Now the skies were clear and blue as the days grew from warm to hot. On a course of south by west past Pitcairn Island, Rapa, then along the Tropic of Capricorn, almost to the Fiji's, then at 20 degrees south latitude and 160 degrees longitude west from Greenwich, with New Caledonia dead ahead. Come. Ah, Mr. Denham.
2: Captain. I believe we've been making excellent time. So it depends on where we're heading. You know, Lord Howe Island? Dead south of us, uh, Mr. Denham. Then change course southeast of Howe Island to 40 degrees south and 140 degrees 20 minutes east latitude. That's our destination.
3: My charts show no islands there?
2: That's the fault of the charts, Captain. I assure you that there is an island there, and that is our destination.
3: And for what reason, Mr. Denham?
2: The weirdest, wildest, most impossible thing you've ever seen. I'm going to make a movie the likes of which has never been made before. Have you ever heard of the word Kong? There are many things I haven't heard. And I, Captain. I first heard about Kong some five years ago. The man who told me was mad, raving. I would have dismissed the whole story if I hadn't seen a few feet of film he brought back. What I
3: saw was enough to
2: start me on my way. And frankly, Captain, now that we're almost there,
3: I'm a little scared. You aren't the first man to be scared by a rumor. you forget the film. I include the film. You know, lights and shadows make strange images. That is all your Kong is, believe me.
2: Part of me would like to believe you, but the other half knows better.
3: Then what is Kong if not imagination?
2: Not imagination, Captain. Kong is some strange kind of giant beast...
3: Elmsman, all ahead, slow.
2: Rolling up fast, Captain. So run
3: aground. Elmsman, all stop. Let go the anchors, Mister Driscoll. Let go, boys. Captain Engelhorn. Captain
2: Engelhorn you hear the drums?
3: Nothing unusual about drums in this part of the world. Call away, number one boat, Mr. Driscoll.
2: Stand by, number one boat!
3: We headed for shore, and the closer we came to the island, the more I was sorry we left our guns aboard the Sumatra. The beach was lined with native warriors, armed with spears and shields. I would not call it a hospitable welcome. Behind the beach, the forest began, and rising above the trees, a most incredible sight. A wall perhaps 40 feet high, made all of stone and running the length of the island as far as I could see. I looked at Denham and remembered the story he had told of Kong. For the first time, I began to believe that he was telling the truth. Anything seemed possible now.
2: Mr. Driscoll, look. That native
3: girl. Captain. There in the center. There's a girl tied hand and foot. Stand to, Mr. Driscoll. Don't try to be a hero. These people have their own customs. Listen now, all of you. If you're frightened, don't show it. This is good acting practice for all of us, Mr. Denham.
2: You go. This land taboo. Stranger not belong. Many death here.
3: Chief, we come from far away. Ship sails very long time. We hear of Kong. Kong, not for you. Kong mighty killer.
2: We give girl. She go stay alone with Kong one year time. The girl's a sacrifice. Your woman with gold hair. You give to great Kong. I give you many things.
3: Driscoll, get Anne out of here back to the boat. Move. Great chief, woman with golden hair not for Kong. She belonged to us. Get him. stop back slowly. No panic. Mighty chief. Very powerful. Me, chief. I'm more powerful. Girl with golden hair belong me. Get him. hold back. He's thinking it over. Then he makes up his mind we'd better be off this island. Aye. Hey! It was a close call. We had raced the boat beyond the breakers when the natives reached the beach. Safe on board the ship, I tried to get Denham to leave the island, but his desire for making movies got the better of his judgment. I agreed to stay when he promised he'd leave Anne aboard ship. The drums sounded throughout the night. We could see the flickering campfires on the beach. I thought of that poor native girl tied up as a sacrifice for Kong... We slept fitfully that night. Then sometime during the middle watch, Driscoll informed me that Anne was missing. We searched the ship, but she had gone. Anne had been taken by a war party of natives who had climbed aboard and captured her. Anne was to be a sacrifice to Kong. From the sounds coming from the island, There was little time for action. Mr. Driscoll. Aye, sir. Get five men. Open up number two hold. Mr. Denham, I will overlook your bringing arms aboard this ship without permission. You will come along with a party. On the double, Mr. Driscoll. See that rifles, ammunition, hand grenades, gas grenades are issued to all the men.
2: Go to come. Say him, leave village in peace. We make song, tell children story of woman with gold hair. Aye. You wait. I'm all quiet. Come, come, take you.
3: anything that huge, Mr. Denham. We should have brought cannon. Rifles will be of little use against a monster that size. We must get Anne. We can't leave her. No one is leaving the girl. But can we fight that beast? You can stay here and discuss what you're going to do. I'm going after Kong. Kong, like a heavy tank, broke through the rainforest. Trees had fallen before him and he left footprints 12 feet long. From time to time we could see Kong's great head over the treetops. This was a nightmare world we had come to. We were now in what seemed to be a slice of prehistoric times which somehow found a way to survive until now. All around us were gigantic furs, strange trees and animals, great lizards that should have been long since dead. Had it not been for the thought of the girl, I would have turned back many times. I am brave enough in the world, I know, but here. The trail of Kong led us through what looked like a prehistoric wing of a museum come to life. Denim, in spite of the dangers, took time to identify the beasts as we saw them. Stagosaurus, Triceratops, megatherium, Magacerops, hyanodon flying things, crawling things. It would have interested me more if they didn't look at us like we were a good meal on the move. He's up ahead, Captain. What about him? He's alive so far. How far ahead? Kong is across
2: a deep ravine, about a thousand feet dropped to the bottom, maybe a hundred feet across. There might be a way
3: to go around it. If the girl is alive, we cannot take the chance of going around I had the men cut down a large tree and drop it across the chasm to use it as a bridge. On the other side, I could see Kong. I was certain we were near his lair. First, I sent four of my men across. The beast saw them. He gently placed Anne down on the ground, and then he started for the log. Help! 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 Those four men held on for dear life. As that giant monster shook and rolled the log. Finally, Tom lifted the hundred-foot tree and slammed it back on the ground. The log was cracked but in place across the chasm. The four men were dead. And Kong guarded the far edge of the chasm. We had no choice but to go back. Anne was lost to us. Yes. Look, over there. What, what kind of beast is that?
2: It's going for Anne. Try to scare it off. Kong, Kong sees What is that thing? Can't tell exactly. It's something like Tyrannosaurus. Paleocynchus.
3: A man-eater! This was a battle monsters come to life, while we modern men, armed with modern weapons, too powerless to do anything. While the two giants fought, Driscoll picked up Anne, who had fainted from shock, and raced across the cracked tree which lay across the chasm. Kong had defeated a 30-foot lizard that stood 18 feet tall. Kong would catch us. There was no escape, no place of safety, except maybe one. That was down the side of the chasm to the rushing river. We started down. Kong stood above us, glaring down at us. The huge but trying not to kill us. couldn't understand why he let us live and then I realized that monstrosity, that relic from a million years ago had a heart. It didn't want to hurt the girl. Kong seemed almost human then. I almost knew what he would do next. He would meet us downstream, some place where he could get Anne without harming her and kill the rest of us the middle of the river while Kong followed us along the banks, roaring and beating his chest. And then we saw the rock cavern that led the river underneath the huge wall out to safety. Kong left us little choice. We tried smiling at each other, then took deep breaths and let the current carry us through to the other side of the wall in safety. Anne. Anne, are you all right?
2: Thing, that horrible thing. I thought I was losing my mind. No. I'll never be able to forget it. Never. Never as long as I live. And don't think about it. That's the end of Kong. Captain, we'd make a fortune if we could bring Kong alive to the States. I'd rather be a live sea captain, Mr. Denham. Just think about it.
3: Denham Enterprises presents King Kong. Bravo. I don't think that big ape would sign a contract, Denham. Go ahead. Ask him.
2: Run for the shore. Come on. It's it's Jesus. Ah! Go on. Run. I'm going to try and get him. He'll rip you to bits, Stanham. Come on. Let go. A couple of gas grenades ought to stop him dead. One over. One under. One in front. Three of those would have put a regiment to sleep. It's impossible.
3: Complain to the company who made them. Get to the boat. Come on, Denham. Now, wait. The gas grenades.
2: They're working.
3: Mr. Denham, I think you're a very brave but foolish man. He's all yours. Yeah. He's all. Oh, oh. And Denim is all mine. I'll take him to the boat.
2: Poor Kong. He looks so harmless now.
3: It took most of a day to get Kong out to the ship and placed in the hold. I had anchor chain welded over the hatch. We had a pretty good prison for the giant ape. Kong was beaten and he knew it. He did nothing except, uh, now and then, trying to knock out the sides of the ship. Only Anne could calm him down. She would stand by the hatchway and speak to the beast.
2: Poor thing. Poor Kong. No one will hurt you. Anne is here.
3: Couldn't hurt him if we tried.
2: It's a little sad to see anything in captivity.
3: No, he's done enough damage in his day, Anne.
2: He was only protecting himself.
3: And we were only trying to protect you.
2: Were you? Let's get away from your friend.
3: There is an old sailor's wish, calm sea and prosperous voyage, which we had going back. Mr. Driscoll and Anne asked me to be best man, but I was captain and couldn't marry them if I accepted that honor. Mr. Denham was best man. Anne and Driscoll became man and wife. When we sailed into New York Harbor, we were a happy ship carrying the strangest cargo ever to come into that port.
2: Mm
3: Denham had a theater rented in the middle of New York City, in Times Square. There were plenty who'd pay to see this prehistoric killer, and just as many who thought Kong was a fake, but would pay just to ooh and ah. Kong was no longer the beast from that prehistoric jungle. He was frightened and beaten, and he went wherever Denham took him. Kong seemed like some monstrous organ grinder's monkey. It was the first night that Kong was to be shown. The theater was plastered with signs. King Kong, the name Denham had given the great ape. Denham asked me to be in the audience, to introduce me as the captain who shared all the dangers. Driscoll and Anne were also there. Denham said love interest was very important. In spite of himself, he was a brave man, and that we had to respect. The curtain went up.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, a beast out of history, out of place, out of time, a sight once seen by cavemen, but never before viewed by modern man. Ladies and gentlemen, King Kong!
3: Kong, frightened by the sounds of a strange world, began pulling at his huge chains, he looked out into the audience, and he saw Anne. We rushed her out of the theater as the crowds panicked. Kong trampled them as he went after Anne. Kong loose in the city, police and fire departments useless as Kong began his search for the girl. The city came to a stop. No place was safe. There was no place to hide as Kong raged up and down the streets, crushing everything in his way. Driscoll and I hurried and back to the ship with the idea of getting underway and out to sea, but we never would have made it. Kong, with that logic peculiar to the Great apes, made his way to the river and to the ship. He saw us. He saw Anne. And then the great monster reached out.
2: He took Anne. Army Air Force, Roosevelt Field, officer of the base beam. Yes, sir, there's a fighter squadron. <laughs> well, I suggest you call the zoo. We don't handle monkeys here. What? You're kidding right away all pilots man your planes condition red repeat condition red this is not an exercise repeat this is not an exercise
3: undestroyed all in his way All we could do was to follow. It was impossible to shoot at him for fear of hitting Anne. Kong, in a panic, looking for safety, found the only place he thought he would be safe. Slowly, carrying Anne gently in one paw, he began to climb the Empire State Building, 102 stories into the air, over a thousand feet from the ground. The crowds below were silent with fear. The only sound was Anne. Suddenly, from a long way away, the sound of hope for the city and maybe the end for Anne. The fighter planes were coming in, biplanes, each with two machine guns and a few bombs. Driscoll heard them and started into the building, pushing through the line of police. Dawn was just breaking, and there they were, nine fighter planes, He held the girl high up in the air. The planes zoomed away.
2: Red leader, that thing's holding a girl in his paw. Check. Come
3: around for another pass. Don't fire until I signal. Red leader to all elements. Forget the girl shoot to kill. Can't do that. Eight million people in that city down there. Only one girl up here.
2: Follow me in. Be in love. He's putting her down. My God, what kind of a thing is that? You name it, I'll feed it. Here I go.
3: I could only see Kong put the girl down and hoped that Driscoll had pulled her to safety. The fighters, with one plane missing now, continued making their runs on Kong. And he stood there pawing at them, trying to swipe them out of the air, modern bees against a giant. How much could Kong take? How many bullets? I don't know how long ago. All I could see was Kong weaving back and forth, always trying to fight off the planes, a monster fighting for its life, and then Kong began to topple, to stagger. The police pushed the crowds back, back, and the planes made one more run. That is all. The story of Kong. King Kong. A yesterday that lived today. A story to frighten children. Unbelievable. Impossible. Incredible. Whatever you choose to call it. But I know it to be the truth. And now you know it. Believe what you want. You can't change the truth